the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and this episode, we welcome Duncan Shand to the podcast. Welcome along, Duncan. Hey, Paul. Thank you very much. It's uh, great to be here today. Looking Look, forward to it. It's uh, it's great to have you in the studio. The first time that yep. you've been on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, welcome to the podcast, New Zealand Studio. And, and what episode is this today? What oh, number? I try, I, I, try number. I try not to count now. It's uh, just you know, it's there, there's too many. Um, I it's think four hundred and sixty eight officially yeah, officially today. <laughs> now maybe you could fill listeners in on uh, you know where you sit within this big wide world of, of technology and and digital things uh, within New New Zealand. Sure. Well, um, we're an independent advertising agency. Um, we've been around ten years now, um, and I guess we started. Uh, right in the middle of the kind of digital social media um, uh, revolution is that too strong a word but we were we were kind of there when there was a whole lot of shifts happening in that whole communication landscape and we've kind of you know been there for the last 10 years figuring out and learning how to really um, engage and and build brands in this new kind of media landscape that we're in right now your firm is called young shan young shan that's it I think it was Young and Shan when I first came across you. Yeah, it was just slight variation to the name. I, I kind of quite like the uh, alteration. It's kind of a, it's an ad, it's an adjective now, so uh, we can, I can be perpetually young. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Uh, look, your your space fascinates me because when I look back to my earlier years within, uh, well, within the workforce, really. I had a lot of involvement in the world of sort of design uh, and media and in its in its varying forms. And at that stage, a lot of it was about moving to more digital production processes, digital design processes. Yep. Um, there was a, certainly a, you know a lot of work that I did with varying ad agencies, and of course, then came along this this concept of the digital agency. Yes, and so we'll we'll chat a little bit about that during during the episode because yeah. I'm I'm keen to uh, you know get, gain your your thinking on you know w- you know what an agency like yours should should be called today and yeah. uh, and and really you know how how things uh, fit together. Yeah, uh, but there's there's a whole lot of um, you know tech news always always happening and I thought well let, let's jump into uh, to some of those uh, topics now one that we didn't get a chance to chat about over the last couple of weeks because we've had some um, some particular uh, interviews and last week for those that missed it we talked to uh, Tony Baird the uh, Chief Technology Officer at Vodafone New Zealand a bit of a catch up on on what they're up to uh, looking forward also to um, some some um, chats on the Spark side and Actually, before we go any further, I must thank the partners of the New Zealand Tech Podcast, who are Sumo Logic, Vodafone, Spark, Vocus, HP, and Samsung. Uh, and of course, it's those brands who are really getting behind uh, the tech community in, in New Zealand uh, in varying ways. And, and part of that is um, supporting the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Cool. So, thank you to uh, uh, to each of them. Now. Um, yeah, so we had that one, uh, and there are a bunch more of other sort of special episodes that have been recorded in the last few weeks that I'm just working out the scheduling of whether uh, um, those will come out before Christmas or whether we'll have some sort of little bonus episodes um, over the break. And I have a little bit of travel um, most likely uh, happening in 
in December in Asia as well. So we've probably got some, um, you know, a bit of um, a bit of variety coming up on, cool, the, on the show. Um, but one of the stories that we haven't had a chance to to dive into, uh, and curious for your thoughts on this too, was uh, the talk that HP might get acquired by uh, Xerox and apparently um, you know this yeah there were you know there were some rumors in the media and then uh, HP's board of directors sort of you know came out and there was an announcement from uh, from HP saying that they're you know formally uh, rejecting a takeover bid from Xerox now in our part of the world things are are a little bit different because we don't have Xerox as a standalone mm. firm it's mm. this you know joint venture the Fuji Xerox uh, and of course, I mean they've they've had some uh, some some troubles uh, within yeah. the, within this part of uh, of the world uh, for, yeah, for, for, the, for 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 a little on while. The Fuji Xerox side, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, they're definitely two big old school tech companies, aren't they? So maybe maybe a, lo- a lot of, a lot of, a lot of heritage there. Yeah. Um, but HP, and I haven't, um, well, I can't remember the 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 exact numbers, but. Um, you know, HP, a, a, you know, a bigger and more valuable uh, entity than, um, than than Xerox. But look, it's it's fair to say that uh, Xerox still, you know, are an important business today. They didn't uh, suffer the the same uh, consequences as their, um, I guess, closely related um, entity in Kodak, yeah. who who were, uh, you know, for a time they were based in the, in, in the same uh, location and. In, in New York State, uh, so you know they, they've they've done okay, but a, a company that you know, potentially could have done a, a lot better. And of course, uh, Apple really leveraged some of uh, uh, you know Xerox's uh, mm. intellectual property to mm. uh, to build mm. the, the 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 Apple Mac uh, you know back in the day. So you know, like every big uh, organization, uh, a few misses. HP seems to uh, you know gen- generally be, uh, be be doing uh, pretty well, especially when we look in New Zealand. I mean, they have a, a massive dominance. Uh, in terms of PCs and, and and laptops within the New Zealand market, they mm. seem to have serviced it very well. And huge personal printing, mm. you know, domestic mm. printing kind of market as well. Yep, yep. So um, yeah, I just thought, yeah, you know, v- very curious that uh, that this might happen, and and you know, what I guess sort of looks like a little bit like a reverse type, uh, you know, takeover with with Xerox, um, you know, potentially trying to uh, t- to acquire HP and to see those. Uh, those brands are bought together, and when you look at it, HP, uh, you know, they've been innovative on the 3D uh, printing side. We've we've had a look in the past and chat about uh, some of their their technology in that space, these sort of additive uh, 3D uh, printing type um, devices. And in fact, I think they've got a, a, a partnership with um, the New Zealand America's Cup team. So you know, they're they're yep. going to be uh, you know helping them out on, Prototyping on, on some and aspects. Things. Yeah, which yep. is is cool. Um, uh, but HP acquired, and I only just just learnt this in the, uh, and it probably happened a couple of years ago, but I only really came across it in the last sort of I don't know nine nine to twelve months. Was HP acquired Samsung's printing business for? North of a billion US mm. uh, dollars mm. Uh, mm. a couple of years ago, yeah. uh, and so Samsung obviously had some very very good uh, capabilities there in terms of some of the large formats sort of A3 uh, copier and printer type uh, machines, yeah. And so those things have been have been pulled into the the lineup of of devices from HP. So 
yeah, there's there's probably a fair bit of competition currently between Xerox and NHP on that yeah. uh, office printing and, and copier type side. Yeah, absolutely. I guess some synergies between big business printing and small domestic printing or you know, kind of maybe a f- more fully rounded uh, corporate offering in terms of machines in a workplace. Well, food, I mean, certainly in the New Zealand market, Fuji Xerox, were, you know, they were traditionally kind of the the strongest strongest player and yeah. uh, certainly within the uh, ad agency and, and creative land, they seemed to have the, the products that gave the most uh, consistent colour results yeah. and, and, and the like. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it will be very interesting mm. if, I mean, we, do, we don't know what will change. I wouldn't be surprised if you see it turn around the other way and... Uh, HP, HP sort of leads something to uh, um, you know take, take uh, Xerox if if they think there's uh, there's enough value. If there's anything there? there. It, it seemed to be uh, from the things I read there was a, a synergy that would by bringing the two businesses together there would potentially be a saving of around uh, two billion dollars yeah. annually by um, you know yeah. by merging. Yeah. So. That that's I'm I'm sure a, a yeah reasonably key uh, motivational number yeah <laughs> um, so yes very um, very I mean what do you think from a you know being a in the creative world uh, from a brand perspective how how would you imagine uh, this sort of thing um, going down because HP is certainly the more modern uh, yeah, you know I, the more modern brand even I, though the, the, the name you know, Hewlett Packard and of course even HP is split into two brands with the um, you know uh, Hewlett Packard Enterprise business yeah. and then uh, HP Inc um, yeah. being the the printers and, and PCs and I think it's a, it's a combination across you know almost a a, a consumer brand with HP and a business brand with Xerox. You've got synergies between printing lines with both of them. Um, so there's kind of some interesting combinations there. When you think about you know some of those savings, I'm sure they both do a lot of research around printing technology. So there would have to be a core overlap between both entities. So I, I think it's an interesting corporate play and merger you know opportunity which is clearly why they're exploring it mm-hmm. so oh well we, we will we will wait and uh, and see whether anything uh, ends up uh you know happening in yeah. the in the in the years ahead um yeah. but uh yeah sometimes these things that that fail at one time uh, in end up succeeding further into the future mm. now I I didn't um, catch the the full live stream, but on uh, Friday early evening uh, New Zealand time, uh, Elon Musk unveiled <laughs> Tesla's Cybertruck. Yeah. Now this this has just been fascinating because you know there was talk about you know Cybertruck, it's all futuristic and and so on, and then and seeing it. I guess I was I was a little bit shocked, as most were, with just how you could either call it futuristic or you could call it sort of old school, old school sort of futuristic. Logan's Run yeah, kind of springs yeah, to mind. Uh, yeah, yeah, almost um, almost brutalist futurist or something, isn't it? Very, very flat. I mean, the complete lack of curvature was yeah was quite mind mind blowing actually uh, to me. But there, there, there were, there were. I mean, and the bit that I'm sure um, those watching the live stream would have, would have been a little bit dumbstruck by was the demonstration where they showed uh, basically the the glass that's supposed to be for the windows shatterproof, 
and they dropped a metal ball onto this glass in a demonstration that was set up from quite a height, you know, a number of metres, and the ball just sort of bounced off, and it was, oh, this is, uh, this is impressive. Mm. And then the next step, they'd already tried hitting uh, the, the panels of the Cybertruck with a rubber mallet or what have you, and it had withstood that very well. Uh, so they went ahead and um, and threw a, I guess you'd say a, a large ball bearing or metal ball at the uh, the front at the well the the front uh, what would be the driver's window I guess in the US, and uh, this was supposed to show that it was uh, very very strong and shatterproof and of course it wasn't yep. and uh, and then the demonstration went well let's try it on the rear window and, uh, and that wasn't uh, the, the same sort of result so yeah. it it was uh, yeah ra- ra- rather comical and. Um, yeah, Elon uh, uh, struggled for uh, uh, for a polite word to, uh, to to respond briefly, but uh, then kept on with the, the rest of the the show. Well, and the point I tuned in, those windows had already been cracked, and I was you know I was scratching my head trying to work out what sort of a demo you know where this uh, fitted in until I uh, you know had a look later. I guess that's still demonstrating the intention, right? And and if, you know with the first two that worked soundly, it shows that there is this this is pretty good right yeah and i'm yeah. you know like any beaters i think there are things that are going to be ironed out before the production ones are rolled off the assembly line but it uh, i guess it you know it goes to show there is, there is something going on there around the build of this vehicle and i came across an article at insideevs.com and it was uh, titled tesla cybertruck was designed to meet these specific requirements it was quite a short list number one tough exterior well they seem to tick that off yeah. Uh, low aerodynamic resistance to allow uh, long range and yeah. and high high efficiency, and uh, somebody's gone and done a, a digital um, wind tunnel thing online and 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 showed off that actually yeah this is going to be this is quite efficient yep. in those regards. Uh, large and comfortable in, interior, which yep. I'm I'm guessing uh, is the it's case. Large, it does yep. look pretty uh, pretty sizable inside, and it's and it is overall pretty. Large. Is it a double cab? We need a double cab. Is it double cab? I think so. Yeah. Okay, yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they say it can fit uh, six people. Oh, uh, yeah, great. So, yeah, um, variable ground clearance, yep. uh, which which it does. It's, it's got, um, you know, I guess something yep. that's, that's um, similar to maybe the technology that's in the Model S and the Model X, but maybe more so in terms of being able to raise it up and, and, and drop it down and so on. Uh, good storage. Um, and and towing capacity, and it seems to uh, tick tick those boxes with an incredible towing capacity, depending on, on which one you buy, uh, and battery uh, capacity to provide long range and and, and high efficiency. So, yeah. without ducking and and diving into into all the numbers, uh, it certainly looks as though they're they're ticking those boxes, and it, it's it you know somewhat reasonable. Starting prices and 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 higher prices, depending on what you choose, uh, you know, compared to other vehicles, non-electric in, in the US market. Well, you kind of look at it. I mean, it's it's certainly caused a reaction, hasn't it? The, <laughs> yeah. the style, you know, you either love it or hate it, which is always great for kind of getting attention. Um, you know, the other one is what it's got. Uh, one hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand people have put their money down, a hundred bucks down for a pre-order. Yeah, and this this is unique for Tesla that they're asking for such a small amount of money. I think it was one hundred and fifty in Australia, two hundred in New Zealand. I put down two pre-orders. Yeah, 
um, changed because it, recently it was so everything. it was so low. Yeah. Uh, that I thought, well, I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure whether I, when it comes to it, whether I want one. Uh, but at the moment, it seems like a cool thing. I'd I'd certainly love to um, have a play with one for a little while. And it was like, well, would I want the single motor, the dual motor, or the triple motor? And I thought, well, the the single motor is going to be significantly less, so I'll, I'll mark one of those along with the the full autonomous uh, option. Yep. And this is something worth noting. If for any reason you are curious and you're thinking this might be something I want when they come out in two or three or however many years it takes till actually get to the New Zealand uh, market for the right-hand drive, uh, if you put down your 200 New Zealand dollars now, you can tick the box for the full self-drive and we're told the price of that is going to keep going up and maybe it'll be 50 or 100% higher in two years, yep. but you lock, you lock in the current in. price. Yeah. So, um, and of course, you can always use the, li- the link that's in the podcast notes if you want some uh, free charging with that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's um, look, it's tempting if you have any interest, a couple of hundred dollars, that's, uh, uh, you know, that's doable, I think, by, by anybody who's likely to afford uh, one of these when they swing around. Totally. And, and the, uh, of the top five most popular um, cars in New Zealand, four of them are Utes. Right, so in this country we like Utes, right? If, if so, if you like Utes and you like electric power, it's probably a winner. If you can cope with the design, yes, and I and I think as you say, it's 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 basically polarizing, it isn't yep. it? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, look for two two hundred dollars if if you're curi- curious. And uh, a, a friend of mine uh, I caught up with recently, and uh, he invited his uh, I think his son's about nine to uh, to come for a quick you know, ride around the block with us, and uh, yeah, he has a, a lovely Porsche that he's acquired recently. And within the first probably sixty seconds, his son was already already telling him he should get rid of the Porsche and be get a Tesla, a Tesla, which was hilarious. So I'm I'm not sure there's quite such the same enthusiasm across uh, all age groups. Mm. Um, but it, but anyway, he he told me that he uh, uh, he did put a deposit down on the uh, on the on the Cybertruck when I chatted to him over the weekend. So. Um, yes, interesting, interesting times ahead, and uh, yeah, good, good to, uh, good to see that uh, you know Tesla. Are, I guess getting a little bit of a little bit of uh, cut through mm. here because the product at first I wondered, as many did, is this a little bit of a joke on the design front? Is this yeah. is this for real? Have they got something else they're going to reveal? And I think part of me still thinks that there's going to be another iteration that is more friendly to the masses that maybe is not quite so intense in terms of its capabilities it wouldn't um, and you've got to read all the bits and pieces to work out why that design's so strong and robust and uh, and and so on and, and in fact I think um, you know there, there, there was talk around how this is a complete redesign of uh, the the Ute or the truck as they, they call them in the US uh, whereas you know normally you design the frame and the insides uh, and then everything else sort of wraps around it, and there yeah. was that reference back to uh, an aeroplane fuselage where you you know you design the outside, and then everything else goes inside that. And that this was this mm. was down that track. So you still would have thought you could put a little bit of the the, the traditional Tesla aesthetic around that, just rounded the edges off on it a little bit, and it kind of would look, look like it's part well, of the family. Well, apparently the the stainless steel 
that they use is so strong and thick uh, that basically you yeah even just to get the angle you yep. know they have to do some special sort of scoring and so on but it it's it's basically right, so it's, just it's, straight okay, lines so it's, it's the result of the material that they're using yeah is, is they've gone with that a- angular design aesthetic interesting yeah. yeah so you can kick it and you can whack it with your sledgehammer and it you know it'll handle it the, the window is a little bit unknown and i'm I, look i haven't delved too much into the and and you know of course with everything we talk about on the show you know tech is a very broad term right but to me this is an interesting piece of tech uh and i'm curious around just what they've done on these windows because they they talked about the idea of it being a clear metal so of not oh. being a traditional glass. Yeah. So, I mean, I just I can't quite get my head around that. Has you know, I mean, has Elon and his or you know someone on his team basically come up with something that makes a mockery of of Gorilla Glass and uh, you know they, you know that's that's been you know kind of a you know a big uh, branding thing with smartphones. They've got this Gorilla Glass, but. This glass, if it can, if it can live up to it, which it didn't in the in the demonstration, um, it's got to be a lot better than Gorilla Glass, though, right? Yeah, God, absolutely. Yeah. That would change cell phones forever if that's actually a thing. Exactly. Yeah. So we we will see. I mean, maybe it has to be four inches thick and all sorts of other things be to be that heavy. strong. Maybe it might be. Um, and I, I don't know. It's not quite that. It's well, it's not that thick. But um, yeah, there, there, I mean, there's a lot to find out. I, I guess over the next couple yeah, of years. So uh, yeah. Uh, now on the uh, on the Google front, their um, game streaming platform yes. uh, Stadia has landed. Uh, not in New Zealand though. And for those that have been uh, following it, for our gaming enthusiasts, you've, you've probably noticed that there's you know there's been a bit of a, a mixed response. Mm. There's a, certainly a few issues with getting uh, the the streaming to game streaming to to work perfectly in all uh, all situations yeah absolutely I'm, I'm not a not a huge gamer myself my son is he spends far too much time gaming but maybe you can understand why it hasn't been launched here we are a long long way away from everyone right so if this thing is going to have to go well, back up to the cloud and then come back well, down. we're only 30 sec- we're 30 milliseconds from sydney yeah. so we're you know and everybody in new zealand would be you know roughly the same sort of you know so we're, we're talking there of, um, well, uh, around a third, a 30th of a second. So it's not a, it's not a massive lag with yep. Google having servers in those locations. And certainly, um, you know, I'm not quite sure what they have uh, locally within New Zealand. They do have some caches and things like that. But yep. I guess this would require a high level of infra- infrastructure. But what we do, we do have in New Zealand, if you compare us with a lot of other markets, is we've got uh, certainly the majority of the population now are accessing internet fiber. via fiber, yeah. and and actually so you know, we're, we're we're in the you know the, the, probably the top ten, uh, or so de- definitely be the top placed. ten in the world in those regards. So yeah. hey, Google and and look, I hassled them on the show uh, a little while ago, and someone had suggested we'll get their country manager on the show to uh, hmm. to defend themselves because they um, they're not launching their phones here either. Um, but I I did a did a check, and their country manager um, isn't across the whole sort of alphabet Google Portfolio. world. 
Um, their country manager is responsible for advertising. Right. Uh, and 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 so um, you know, and this maybe is is one of the challenges for you know for Google as AR and lots of different things. And and we've seen similar things from Microsoft and and others where products don't necessarily get re- released concurrently. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it seems that most of the tech world is getting better at this stuff. But anyway, for now we're out in the cold. Yeah. So never mind. Come on, Google. Um, I'm sure some, well, somebody's listening that uh, um, can, as you, can as help. You say, as you say, though, the reviews haven't been raving so far about the server, so maybe everyone else can iron it out before we start playing with it. Well, yeah, a, a part of that, a big part of that, seems to be down to connectivity as yeah, well. Absolutely. Which, which, you know, in theory, we would we would be in a, in a yeah. better better position. So why not test it here, maybe, and see if it works? Yeah, come on, Google. Yeah. Come on, Google. Yeah. Um, never, never mind. Um, now, Microsoft, they had their uh, CEO, Sachin Nadella, here in New Zealand mm. again on Friday. It's the second time in, I don't know, maybe two years. And I guess what, what it caught me around him visiting again is that this is, this is, this is odd. We don't normally see big global entities sending their leaders down to New Zealand. Now, I was in uh, Sydney a couple of weeks ago, and yes, they sent their uh, global CEO down for uh, for an event there. I'm, I'm, I'm not aware of a New Zealand visit. Um, but I think it's great to see that sort of attention yeah. being paid to customers in New Zealand. Now, I don't know all of the behind the scenes on why it happened, but I think that brands that that care enough to get their leaders out in front of people, and and Sachin Adela seems to be, you know, really out and connecting with with their customer base globally. Yeah, um, as a you know, as a really good sign, and and you know, an indication that they have some you know, empathy for their customers, and they understand you know how useful it is to do that. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I have to admit, I'm a bit of an Apple fanboy, apart from my Huawei phone. Yeah, you know, yeah. We've been, I've been on Apple now for quite a long time, but it is, has been interesting to see the Microsoft kind of fight back over the last few years. So, you know, his his kind of visit here just kind of show show is is another another um, another example of kind of that leadership that he's kind of showing in terms of bringing the bringing the company back. Mm-hmm. And it, w- it was a very interesting event. It's it started with um, a Maori welcome, um, Tiaraha uh, Grace, which which um, mm. you know, a number of people will, will, will know of. Uh, you know, he was sort of opening that, and um, you know there there were a, there were a bunch, and there was a haka that was done. Uh, there was Sarcher's uh, keynote, which a chunk of it, as you would expect, was the same slides and the same content as you would have seen online from previous keynotes that he's done in recent months. Yeah. But there was also a whole chunk of content that was very specific to New Zealand, yeah. uh, which w- was really cool, you know, looking at, at some uh, some things in the, in the farming and, and dairy sector. Um, and then there was there was some other talks as well, and they had uh, Microsoft had the chief environmental officer yeah. uh, also there, which was was really good. 
uh, you know, I think as a as a as a country, uh, you know, especially with the hundred uh, percent, you know, pure brand that that we go out to the world with, uh, this is something that's really important to New Zealand, yeah. as well as the you know the bigger uh, challenges and and so on, absolutely uh, around climate change. So that was good, and then there was uh, another speaker that came on uh, after that from uh, a New Zealand organisation that that's involved with. You know, a whole raft of things from cleaning up beaches to um, um, uh, you know other activities in terms yep. of looking at our environment and yep. so yeah I didn't know what to, what to expect but it was um, you know there was a huge you know focus on topics that are very relevant uh, to New Zealand yeah. with with their morning uh, sessions cool. I mean I think that um, sort of purpose-based or, or community-based angle is so important these days I mean I think all consumers whether they're um, uh, uh, personal brands or business brands are looking for um, things and and ways that they can kind of get behind the the, the companies that they support. So, yeah, yeah, interesting. And then they made uh, an announcement as part of it that uh, Microsoft Translator uh, now supports Maori. Cool. So. Um, yeah, that's 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 really cool. That so really you know, cool. there's obviously a, a chunk of work there that's happened over a period of time, and of course that crosses into different things that Microsoft are doing. So you know, these days with uh, with you know live PowerPoint events, yeah. you can have transcription done. You can have uh, you know the language sort of you know changed through that transcription, so people are you know are getting subtitles in you know whatever uh, language, language suits them. They support over 60 uh, languages now but uh, yeah very very cool to uh, to, mm. to see that uh, step forward so, yeah yeah so uh, good on Microsoft now uh, on the local front Disney plus uh, launched here in New Zealand uh, about this time last week and ten dollars is the is the price well one cent shy of that yeah and um, look I've I fired it up it looks like Disney have very much learnt from you know what others are doing the, the the user interface and experience sort of so closely Slick. mimics yep. sort of Netflix and you know the best of what's what's been out there in terms of streaming yeah and you know even when you choose to download for offline uh, viewing which is and it's really nice to have those options uh, yep, and you know we didn't have this in, in in these apps going back just I don't know probably two or three years. Uh, but even just just the way in which that worked, the way that it shows you it was downloading, it was just so familiar and so easy to use. You know, multiple profiles. You can have your, you know, kids' profile and yep. and, and different bits and pieces. Um, pretty seamless. I have heard of a few people having having issues, but um, overall, you know. Um, if you weren't hitting those issues with the app crashing, uh, then then quite a nice experience. Well, I think I isn't Sky Sport um, educated everyone now on how to use these apps? So, you know, I, I think this is just another example of the pro- proliferation of entertainment options that, yes, that we yeah. all have at the moment. I know at home I'm under huge pester power from uh, my 15 year old daughter and my 18 year old son, who's who's raving about the the start star. Wars yeah. series on yeah. there. He's going, Dad, yeah. we have to get this. Well, so. you can sign up for the seven-day trial, which 
of course, I think do, does ask you for your credit card. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, I signed up for that. You know, wanting to be familiar with it for for the New Zealand Tech Podcast and in any other um, you know, media engagements. Um, but having a look at it, the content that's in there, I'll be holding on to it for a while because yeah. there's a truckload of stuff. And and for my son, uh, yeah, he recently turned uh, nine, and I'm thinking, well, what in there is is good and family friendly? And um, I found some old uh, movies that I enjoyed as a kid, and uh, um, I remembered Herbie Goes Bananas. I don't know if you you remember um, that old enough to remember that, but uh, you know it's um, um, you know something I'd remembered. And they had this whole series. I didn't even realise that there were I don't know about five or, or six movies in the series. So he was watching this old movie from 1969 and, and quite enjoying it, yeah. which I, I hadn't seen on any other streaming service. It's amazing so, how uh, they love yeah. some of those old school shows. Yeah. My my 15 year old, she's just finished um, the whole. Um, all the seasons of Friends. So, yeah, you know, there you go. So, yeah, so worth uh, worth a look. But it does it does put us in a, a more of a um, a pressured position when we compare our streaming. That start when Netflix started off, and you were around sort of ten, twelve New Zealand dollars, and that was kind of all you needed yeah. to all of the different services. But we've talked about that a bit on the show over the last. Uh, few months so we, we probably don't need to delve into that one too much but I'd be thinking this is, is probably a service you at least yeah, try out at some stage but you might just use it for a month or two that you've got through the things that really jump out and then maybe yeah, move on Dipping and, and use, use something else so yeah. yeah. Well you find that don't you? You, you you use it for a while, watch a series, dip out and come back later. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now there was a a tweet that came out from uh, from Troy Hunt uh, a couple of couple of days ago, and um, Troy keeps a, a close watch on uh, data breaches, and he uh, put up a blog post on uh, TroyHunt.com around the title "Data Enrichment, People Data Labs, and Another 622 Million Email Addresses." Mm. And so this is really about this firm, uh, People Data Labs, PDL, who are in the sector known as um, data enrichment, which you may not have heard about, but they collect all sorts of all sorts of data that's, uh, I, I think, from what I can tell, in a lot of cases, possibly all cases, it's data that's somewhat publicly available. So Troy, um, so and what happened was their database of um, 622 million email addresses was uh, was left compromised. Yeah, left left in a in a manner that anyone could uh, could could pull it down. Uh, no, you know, password required. Yeah. Now it wasn't that that organisation had been hacked, but because they sell this uh, data to others. All it took was for one of their clients not to, uh, you know, look after it responsibly, and possibly there's some other data mixed mixed in with their data. Um, but yeah, they, they've taken all this data, put it together. Anyone can go online and and buy it off them, and in fact, you I think can get a bit of a free trial and 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 start, you know, pulling away at this uh, at this data, and they've got phone numbers and. Probably birth dates and other bits and pieces of, of public information, uh, you know who people work for, what their what their location is, position, the company they worked for, uh, you know, website URLs, uh, when they started and, and, and stopped working, uh, 
at an organisation which that you know this sort of stuff course looks very closely like uh, LinkedIn so it seems like they've done yep. some pretty big uh, scrapes of LinkedIn but of course if you're putting information up on LinkedIn yes you know some of it's public but you, you probably the general public aren't expecting that something that goes on to LinkedIn necessarily immediately lands in all sorts of other databases well, that they don't even not, know exist. Certainly not phone numbers and email addresses, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think this is an area where um, companies need, need to take very seriously. I mean, we're living in an age where um, we seem to give up our privacy for the ability to download the latest game or app um, for free, right? And I, I guess it is an exchange. You know, we're getting a free service in, in exchange for giving up some of our personal data. And I, I just don't know what if people realize what they are ticking or when they click that accepting terms and conditions button on the bottom of a lot of these apps. That's I think that's the dangerous part, how willing we are to give up our personal private information that can then be scraped and consolidated by some of these um, data aggregators and then bundled up and sold off to other people. I mean, really, you know, you look at you look back at uh, um, the American elections in in Cambridge Analytica. That's exactly what happened there. And this is this is this is just surfacing another company that is aggregating the data in the same way. Yeah, and there are so many challenges. And you know, in this case, that that organisation may have had their data locked down really well, but of course they're selling it to other people, yep. so they have no control over yep. you know, when, because it's probably more likely than 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 if uh, that that data is going to get out into the wild and be broadly accessible. Now, not only embarrassing for for PDL, but you know. I guess now that it's out in the public, people would be silly to spend any money uh, buying it off them because it's now been, you know, released for uh, for anyone to yeah. uh, to possibly get their hands on for uh, for free. Um, but yeah, reputationally, not uh, not not a good position to be in. Now, this is a real challenge, though. And you know, think of you. You you know, you're running a uh, a digital agency, running an advertising, media, all of those things that you do, yeah. often there's a huge element of having to work with, with, with people's data. Yeah. How do you get your head around that? You must you know, must have challenges every day thinking about you know, Ab- how, to, how to balance the risks. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, since GDPR came out a couple of years ago now, it's been in place for, for a reasonable amount of time, I think everyone is taking it a lot more seriously. But it's amazing how sometimes people just don't think. Mm. I mean, one of our customers the other day sent us their entire database in an Excel spreadsheet on an email attachment. Yeah. And you go, <laughs> oh, that's actually not very good. Yeah. So, you know, I, th- I think increasingly we're saying to our customers, um, uh, we need to set up a proper process for this. We need to actually work on your within your network, not our network, because you know we don't want to we don't want to expose ourselves to the danger of dealing with that their data, um, because you know we need to handle these things properly. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's um, that's wise. I think you know it's it's important to find you know, the right balance in terms of you know safety when uh, when it when it comes to uh, when it comes to data. Mm. Now we had um, a couple of other th- things to uh, to squeeze in. I'm just having a uh, having a, a quick uh, look, and 
Um, oh, gadgets. So yeah. one gadget I've been uh, been well, a couple of gadgets I've been trying out, and you mentioned that you're using um, Huawei uh, handset, yeah. which yeah. I would say is quite unusual to find an Apple fan who's using uh, Huawei uh, handset. But when you look around New Zealand. Huawei have sold an incredible number of devices, whether it's the routers that most of us have in our uh, in our mm-hmm. homes connecting us uh, to you know, wh- whichever uh, internet uh, service provider we're using. I think you know, these days it's a pretty high percentage uh, that is Huawei. Uh, in terms of smartphones, you know, they hold yep. a, a pretty big uh, chunk of the market here. And, you know, they've started getting into other devices, which is um, the, the two that they sent through recently was their uh, their newest uh, watch, the Watch GT2, uh, and also their FreeBuds 3, uh, which, which I guess you would say um, compete with the Apple AirPods, in fact, the Apple AirPod Pro, uh, Apple AirPods Pro, I think hard right. to get that name right. Yeah. Uh, but they come in at a at a much lower price point. Mm. So, was price part of the part of the temptation for you? It was absolutely. I think I, I I switched when the new iPhone X came out, and I thought, okay, look, I think Steve would probably turn in his grave if if he knew that we, we were trying to get people to sh- uh, shell out more than two thousand dollars for a phone. I thought this is just getting silly, and. And also, too, uh, you know, we, I, I use Apple devices at work, but we use the Google Suite yes, on, yeah. uh, on uh, for all of all of our apps. And on my iPhone, I was using all the Google apps. Right. So actually, I, I was just curious because in one of the things we like to do is play with different tech. As you should. I, I just wanted to. I've never been to the Android side, so I was really it was more about trying out the Android Android ecosystem and seeing if I could cope with the switch. And at the same time, the, the, the guy in the shop was so enthusiastic about this $400 phone. Wow. So instead of $2,000, I spent $400. So it was just a, I just, it was an experiment. Uh, I didn't know how long I'd last, but yeah, here I am almost 18 months later, still with the, the Nova Huawei um, 3, yeah. the Nova, th- yeah, Nova 3i. Yeah, but yeah, whether, yeah. It was, whether it was a Samsung or a, a Huawei, I, you know, it was more about trying out um, that that Android ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Well, that's really interesting. You know, you're 18 months in, and and you're still there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would tend to think we probably see more people going in that direction, but yeah. there's certainly, I think, you know, in either direction, people, uh, you know, do like to change. But usually, once you get established in one or the other, yeah. it's an effort. To, it it's an effort to make a change. And you must have experienced a bit yeah. of that when you got started with absolutely, yeah, trying absolutely. to figure trying to figure things out. They're also beautiful, though, though the phones these days. I don't think you can really go wrong with whatever you have. So it's amazing, isn't it, that for four hundred dollars that you can get a handset that actually yeah. it, it looks, you know, from an industrial design perspective and yeah. and the screen and and so on. It it, it looks very nice. Now, yeah. you know, if you if you uh, look closely and you look at screen brightnesses and all those things obviously there's a difference between a, a $400 handset and a 1500 or you know $2000 plus handset yeah um, but for the i guess if you you look it down to the sort of you know 90% of um, what a smartphone does maybe 95 you know i don't know how you would quite measure that in a in a fair and accurate way but 
a two hundred to four hundred dollar handset will handle at least to some degree. Yep. Uh, you know, just a, just about everything uh, that you're hiring. Well, probably less so with the two hundred dollar handsets. But yep. yeah. um, you know, as you get down to those bottom ones, there's there's just not enough storage. That might be going too too far. And the like, but you know, yeah, that's um, that's interesting. Well, yeah. So out of the um, Huawei, I got the. Um, Huawei Watch uh, GT last year, and the GT2 is sort of their, their, their refresh on that, as you might expect. Um, it's certainly not the Apple Watch, but on the flip side, um, or you know, it, it's yeah, it's a it's a different it's a different product to mm. the the Apple product. Um, and actually, not not wearing it today. I'm not wearing any any wearables today. <laughs> um, that that happens sometimes. I forget what to what to put on, or I'm weighing up when one's on charge. Um, the battery life on it is supposedly up to two weeks. I've certainly seen um, you know probably over a, over a week uh, out of it from a battery yep. life perspective. You've got uh, sleep tracking as you yep. get with the Fitbit. And and I mean for me that's probably the the um, the main shortcoming of the Apple Watch is with I think they rated at eighteen hour uh, battery life, which depends on what you do with it because you can certainly get a lot more than that out of it. Um, that they have chosen not to natively do sleep tracking. Um, well, you couldn't track your sleep and ch- you need to charge your phone every night, charge your watch every night. Don't you? Well, so you can't you, do both. Well, you could charge it in the morning because it will actually it'll run more than twenty four hours, yeah. depending on what you're doing on it. But yeah. I guess they think that sort of conflicts with yeah. the message. And you and you can, I believe, and I've never never got, um, you never actually tried it. You can load some third party uh, apps that will, that will that will do that. But um, yeah, that sort of thing and the varying fitness bits and pieces uh, are there with the Huawei Watch. Um, the Apple Watch now, of course, its its screen is on all the time, which yeah. is is actually quite a yeah. uh, quite a quite a plus. Um, so yeah, look, ni- nice to see uh, Huawei continuing down that track. I am sort of concerned, you know, where we will get with uh, Huawei uh, if they don't get much more uh, progress in the US. Although I hear uh, just in the last week that Microsoft have been granted. Um, the okay now to be selling uh, Windows to, yeah, to uh, Huawei for their for, the for their laptops for their laptops. So, but that's that's all. So I, yeah. you know we don't know about chips and we don't know about Android and and, and other bits and pieces whether there'll be a reprieve yeah. on on any of those. Um, now, alongside the Huawei Watch, uh, around the same same time they launched their FreeBuds three, and the case looks a little bit different from the uh, the AirPods case because it's it's round, but once you open it up, it looks very familiar. The the case has a USB C uh, connection on it. It's a little bit different there, but it's it can wirelessly charge. Uh, and then the earbuds themselves look, um, although the what they are selling on the New Zealand market is black, but I think they also have a, a white or you know, ivory type option uh, in, in some markets, uh, looks very similar to the, the normal um, Apple earbuds. So, Almost um, identical. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty close, <laughs> right? Um, and yeah, they're, they're really good. Now, what I haven't had a good chance to um, uh, try... Um, which this was my mistake when I was was on the the last couple of weeks on flights, um, that I was 
I hadn't delved into how you actually turn on the noise cancelling mode because mm. they've got um, they've got a chip in them that does all this fancy noise cancelling. Um, so that's my next thing, and I will report back on on how I go with that. Um, I've got more flights coming up in December, uh, most likely. So uh, so I'll report back on on that side. Um, but I think two hundred and sixty dollars. So it's, it's in, okay. You know, in terms of uh, bang for buck, having having those capabilities, it sounds um, it sounds you know, pretty uh, pretty reasonable. Uh, but mm. they seem, seem, certainly seem to work well across uh, iOS and and Android. I, just, I have had one case where it just dropped out on me, and I'm not mm. I'm not sure why. Um, so you know, maybe there's a, a firmware update um that will that will fix that oh the other note on the um huawei watch gt2 i couldn't get it to connect to um i installed the app on ios but i couldn't get it to connect so i ended up connecting it um via via an android so um maybe that's sort of some of those Mm. sort of wobbles of a newly released device and the software wasn't wasn't quite there Um, yeah yeah we will see um now time time to um hear a little bit about you know what you've been up to sure. and and uh, you know what what is happening in this big big wide world of um of digital agencies and in fact what is the right term to to call uh, a, a company such as young shand you yeah. would, is digital agency the term certainly you know five or ten years ago that, that was very much the the terminology because yeah. your traditional Ad agencies, design firms, etc., um, didn't tend to have a lot of in-house expertise. And in fact, if an ad agency wanted a, a website done, yeah. they would probably come to uh, like your us. firm or yeah. another firm that would specialise in that. Yeah. As time's gone on, uh, yeah, thing, things have uh, evolved and and, and yeah. changed. And having some, you know, technological and, and digital expertise has is, is sort of become yeah. somewhat more normalised. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, we just describe ourselves these days as, a, as an independent advertising agency. Um, we certainly started 10 years ago, we were a digital agency that was, you know, that was in the swing of things. Um, that's how we grew just because, you know, People didn't understand, and they wanted to, they wanted someone that could help them um, uh, uh, develop their marketing and um, use all those new tools that were at the table. But probably over the last two to three years, we've really decided if we want to be a relevant agency, we need to be a full service, creative, and digital agency. Um, so you know, we'll always have our digital heritage you know at our at our in our heart we are um, digital you know we've got a development team and a, a, a tech team and a media team that that live and think in a digital world because you know let's face it our media landscape is very digital now but you know for our clients we will we, we offer an integrated approach you know right across um, you know media now yeah oh that's cool so what are the sorts of things that you end up uh you know doing that are you know quite digitally sort of tinged shall we say that uh, you know maybe a little little bit different from from uh you know what other other agencies might be doing yeah i think it's you know it's the first thing we need to do is think about um uh who our clients want to connect to 
and we need to think about you know how do they how do they um, uh, consume media um, out there today because you know as we we're saying before with different platforms coming out like Disney Plus you know they are they're engaging with all sorts of different media options so we need to think about you know what are those opportunities to get um, a message in front of them um, and then for the the company or the brand that we're working with it's about uncovering the stories that they that we want to tell those consumers so for us it's about you know really getting to the heart of um, that company's offer finding out what what drives them what their purpose is and kind of trying to pull together um, an interesting emotional engaging um, stories um, and then produce those across a number of different formats to give us the greatest chance of of, of having a um, uh, uh, an engagement with those consumers out there so we can kind of get our message across. So it's not just about, you know, you could be quite not one dimensional, that's being a bit rough, but, you know, t 10 or 20 years ago, you could produce a, a TVC and some press ads and a radio script and job was done. Whereas these days, you need to think um, a, a across a lot more um, wider formats and to get your story out there. And I guess it, it gets. Um more complicated in in some ways trying to work out where where should an organization you know, invest their yeah their yeah. budgets yeah i was going to say you know throw the, throw the, throw their budget because yeah. it's it's you know there's all sorts of directions that you need to be considering and you've yeah. got to weigh up and find well where should you invest and of yeah. course with uh, all of the digital options there are varying ways in terms of how you, you know, how you measure those results, yep. uh, but you know, in a lot of cases, you can get you know, far, far better, uh, you know, bang for your buck through one channel versus another. Um, although I, I heard it um, discussed recently, actually, one of our New Zealand business podcast uh, episodes where we we were talking um, about uh, print advertising and. Yeah, possibly. Well, the suggestion was almost that 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 we've gone so digital that we maybe don't look at some of those other mechanisms, and and in some cases they might still uh, be the best value, uh, you know, place. So, well, I think you know, you have an equilibrium, don't you? Mm, so mm. as as one thing grows, another thing might drop a little bit, but it doesn't mean it's irrelevant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you know, I think there's still a place for traditional advertising. There's still a place for TV. Um, uh, you know, so, as the weekend newspapers still certainly work for for the right job. But I think for, for us, you know, I think New Zealand businesses need to think about investing in their brands because what you don't want to do is just to rush and spend a bunch of money on whether it's um, impressions or or clicks or whatever it is, right? You can you can be tempted to, to buy a whole lot of almost vanity metrics and thinking that you're doing something meaningful, whereas I think what brands need to do is kind of really think about how they're going to build a long-term brand. And that often means, you know, using... Um, a, a video and storytelling to engage with consumers and get that message across. Um, but the good thing is, I think you can you can actually measure the impact of a lot of these things now. So you can 
you can do a brand impact study, whether that's using, say, YouTube um, or Facebook or Google. Um, but you, you, all of these platforms now will offer you a, a brand impact study if you, obviously, if you spend an, enough money, and they will do a pre and post uh, whether people have seen it or not seen it, and and tell you the brand lift. So you know whether it's from a brand lift point of view or if it's from a direct conversion point of view you can see actually what's happened with a lot greater detail than you ever could before. Yeah, and, and it's that, uh, th- you know, those insights become you know, very valuable so you can make much uh, much better decisions. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if anyone's interested in that in that sort of offline um, story, I chatted with Ben Rose uh, from the newspaper side of, of stuff uh, on the New Zealand Business Podcast that was out uh, earlier on in the year so um, that one might be worth a, l- a listen if you're you know c- kind of c- curious as to uh, as to what they're up to and uh, I think you know Ben's been on the New Zealand uh, Tech Podcast uh, in the past so you know it was interesting seeing uh, you know somebody like him who's, who's reasonably switched on from a, a digital perspective getting getting involved mm. in um, in that business but yeah I mean what, what you're saying um, you know, I think is is true at all sorts of levels as well. And I remember back um, with with um, one of the uh, project that was Gorilla was involved in, and we were looking at somebody's Google Analytics data, and uh, they were really happy about some um, the organisation was quite happy about some some of the metrics from their website from yeah. some Google advertising. And it looked like it was quite good bang for buck. And they were yep. looking at, you know, uh, clicks. And then it was sort of a, you know, we dived a little bit deeper to work out, okay, so, you know, it seems to be reasonably low cost to attract uh, these clicks. And then the next step was, well, how long off this particular, you know, search term, um, how long are people staying after they're visiting the website from that search term? Yeah. And uh, it was something like, you know, the average was maybe one second or two seconds. So they were attracting all of these cheap clicks. But actually people were getting to, you know, their site and realizing, no, this is not where we want to be. Mm. So they were just leaving again straight away. But, yeah. you know, on the higher level metrics. A vanity metric. Um, it's a yeah, vanity the, metric. Yeah. Um, yeah yep. it, it looked quite good. But, yep. you know, it wasn't something they were able to track back through to a purchase. They weren't e-commerce. Um, yep. But it was, uh, yeah, you can you can really get easily sucked in. So yep. you've got to deal with, um, you know, experts have access to that expertise to to work out and make sure you're doing, you're doing the right Right stuff and look, I've I've seen it with um, you know some brands getting involved in uh, podcasting, and mm. so yeah, you know, we've we've been um, you know talking to a few brands down this track recently, uh, working with a political party uh, who come in and you know rent, rent out the podcast New Zealand studio, you know we help them produce a show, um, and it's been interesting you know looking looking at those numbers, but with uh, with with some of the brands they they're you know going in and, and producing their own branded. Uh, podcast and if you if you do that right you can really deliver some value to listeners mm. but also you can potentially um, you know waste people's time and leave them more offside with your brand if you're not you know, creating yeah. and giving them some really good insights absolutely um, it's all about giving value really isn't yeah, it yeah yeah and look I, th- I mean I think that generally is probably a reasonably hard thing to, uh, reasonably hard sell is that you know pushing out a, a branded podcast? You've, yeah, you've got to be able to you know who wants to listen to the warehouses podcast? Well, you know probably not a whole lot of people, but if you can you, know, you can 
you know, if they delivered a podcast that, yeah. you know, and I don't think they have one, but, um, you know, but if they delivered something that was, was maybe, um, you know, helping uh, families run their homes more you know, cost effectively yep. and efficiently and, you know, something that was actually genuinely helpful and it happened yep. to be delivered by uh, the warehouse, then, you know, that, that might make fact. some sense. But if they're out there trying to, you know, push all their products and so on, I mean, who would want to listen to no. that, right? You've got to go back to what is what is the brand's purpose. So if the, if the warehouse's purpose is to bring everyday value to everyone, well, then how can it help people do that? And then what are the topics that you would talk about when you were – so it's almost a lifestyle show all about uh, 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 you know living a, a grand life and not very much money yeah something like yeah. that I don't yeah. know yeah all right well that's um that's good nice nice to catch up yeah you too Paul and um look we'll we'll look forward to uh, you know hearing hearing of your progress in uh, in future cool. and uh, you know I think at, at, at some stage uh, yeah we probably should um you know have you on the New Zealand business podcast and, and you know hear hear a, a bit of the, your story of sort of you know navigating the, this field that's that's constantly changing right yeah. and I think that's yeah, probably a hallmark of just about any any business that exists today and has, and has been around for a few years uh, is you can't just be the same uh, business today as you were a year ago two years Years, yeah. five years ago uh, because the whole world is in a, in a constant state of yeah, flux. Absolutely. So, um, absolutely. Well done on your successes cool, today. thanks Paul. It's been yeah. great to be here. Thank you. Excellent. Well, thanks everybody for, uh, for listening in to the New Zealand Tech Podcast uh, this week. We will be back again with another show uh, next week. We've got some uh, pretty interesting uh, guests and and topics coming up uh, as well as covering the uh, the news of the week and uh, in most cases as well uh, and again a special uh, thanks uh, to those brands that have been uh, supporting the New Zealand Tech podcast Samsung HP Vocus Spark NZ Vodafone NZ and Sumo Logic all right thanks everyone catch you next week see ya the New Zealand Tech podcast Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.